by Riverside. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back another week, another season. I tell you what, it was a cracking weekend of football in the English Premier League. If you missed it, you missed an adventure and a half with plenty of football and goals to be seen. Of course, it all started on Friday night um, over in England, Saturday morning, if you were in uh, lovely Australia down under, with a 2-0 win for Mikel Arteta's Gooners taking on Crystal Palace away at Sellers Park. We, of course, then had the blockbuster affair, well, what turned into the Mitrovic show, as Fulham hosted Liverpool at the new Craven Cottage and, of course, pulled off an upset and well-deserved two-all draw. New boys Bournemouth showed a bounce and, of course, got that 2-0 victory over Steven Gerrard's Aston Villa. Leeds United started off strongly, getting that 2-1 win against Wolverhampton Wanderers. Of course, the Geordies, Newcastle, uh, getting that 2-0 win and looking very impressive against newly promoted Nottingham Forest. Spurs had to fight back at White Hart Lane from 1-0 down against a Ward-Prowse goal, but won comfortably in the end, 4-1. Saturday was closed off with a win for Chelsea with the Jorginho penalty to make it 1-0 against the Toffees. On Sunday, we saw a fight back from Brentford as they tied 2-2 with Leicester. United continued on where they left off last season, losing 2-1 at home to Brighton. And, of course, we had the final game, the Haaland show, where we had Manchester City downing West Ham. Boys, quite a weekend of football. Welcome back for another week. I know the listeners are dying to get into a bit of the information or conversations to be had. Uh, I want to start with you straight off the bat, Wade. Talk to us about that Jesus debut. What did you think? What did you make of it specifically you know, around him and a couple of your newer other players. Of course, you got the centre back there as well. What did you make of the three signings and particularly focus on Jesus' contribution in that game? Yeah, no, I think they all performed really well. Um, you know, I think uh, someone with the threat up front, um, dealing with Lacazette, you know, he's a bit over the hill now, not really that athletic. Um, good link-up player, but that's about it. Like, clearly lacking goals. I mean, we were starved up front for goals. So, um, you know, to have someone up there that, I mean, Jesus is so sharp. You know, he's got that ability with his back to goal where with one touch, he can just turn a defender and run into space. He does it so easily. Super sharp. You know, he had that good piece of skill early on where he was, you know, doing flicks and tricks. And then it fell to Martinelli. We probably should have been 1-0 up after a few minutes uh, because of that. But he, he gives us a, a, a dynamism up front that we've lacked for a long, long, long time. You know, he's, he's a complete player. And I think mainly he works hard. He runs his socks off. Um, he leads the press from the front. So it, it's exciting to have a player like that up front because, yeah, just something we've been missing in a long time. I know he didn't score, but just his movement alone gives the defenders something something to think about. So he sort of opens up spaces for the other forwards. Um, but the guy who really impressed me was William Saliba. Um, I think I spoke about him last week in the podcast uh, where I said, I think through, you know, Jesus has been a big story, so is Zinchenko. But William Saliba hasn't put a foot wrong. Um, all through preseason, he looks solid. 
And, you know, for a 21-year-old, 2021-year-old making his debut, Sellers Park is a tough ground to go and get a result, especially when you look at how they played against the big teams over the last couple of years. Um, so for him to go there in that environment and, you know, actually watching him play, I'm looking at Gabriel now, who I thought was quite good last year, even Ben White to a certain extent. And I'm like, there's levels to defending, you know, and this kid, I truly believe he's the best young center back in the world right now. Um, best defender in France last year. Um, you know, still a long way to go, but I'm, I'm super excited about the potential he can reach. In fact, I'm excited. At the same time, I'm scared because usually when we have a talent like this, one of the big dogs comes in and, uh, and, and swoops for him. So two years left on his deal. I'm hoping we can tie him down. I don't know how the relationship is because we've loaned him out three times. Um, but I'm hoping we can tie him down because we've got some player and we haven't had a defender like that. I can't remember, to be honest, the last time we had a defender of that caliber. Like, he's the sky's the limit for him. So, he's the guy I'm really excited about moving I, forward. I was going to say, Wade, I think I probably would be a little bit worried as an Arsenal fan. Yeah. Because of that relationship. Because I think, you know, yeah. if a big team comes in, I don't think he's going to feel any sense of loyalty to the club. I think yeah, if there's a team coming. Um, so, I think you got to enjoy it. But look, it does. You, you can't predict how, how play is going to progress, right? So, if he was this player a lot, why why spend fifty on Ben White? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know he could have come straight into the team last year. Um, well, but yeah, like I say, you I don't, know. You don't... The thing is, right when you look at that, it's about squad depth. I mean, City do mm. it every year. They spend forty, yeah. fifty million on players who might not start. You know, so let's take Ben White out of the occasion, and if we just have Saliba, then the replacement is Rob Holding. I'd much yeah. rather have Ben White for well, fifty well, million if we can spend well, the money. Yeah, but for last season, yeah, last season Saliba wasn't there, so he wasn't even no. depth yeah. with Saliba. So, yeah. so you know, we're sending him out to to add him into the squad. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That one probably wasn't there. So if you're adding him in this season while Saliba's there, I say yeah, 100. percent That's your depth. Yeah. Um, well, but, I think but, you also but, you can't predict it. He's only 20. You know. Yeah, so that's what I said. Does he come yeah. in and perform straight away? Do we still yeah. need a Ben White? But listen, if if and we it's can unusual go for and, such a young player to be be a so, center back. Specifically, you've got to yeah. mature a bit more. Um, you see, exactly. like Van Dyke, um, as an example, you know, he's you, you get the best out of him when yeah. he's, yeah. he's reading and understanding the game a lot better. Um, so he's Superb, got a lot man. of tools. I think, yeah. uh, Gary Neville said, um, you know, he, he looks to him a player like uh, Rio Ferdinand, how good a young was, Rio what was yeah. top class, yeah. Um, so he's, he's, got, he's got a lot of he's got a lot of these comparisons, you know, but the, the most impressive thing, like you said, to be 20 playing at centre-back and to have that defensive awareness that he has, you can't teach that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's one of those intangibles to just know when to push, know when to, to lay back, uh, you know, and his recovery, his recovery speed is so good. Very reminiscent of Van Dyke, the way he reads the game, you know, and he's going to get all these comparisons. It's a long way to go, but geez, man, the, kid, the kid's a player. He's a big, big, big time player. So I'm excited about it, but yeah. I'm definitely worried at the same time. So, yeah, let's see. So it sounds like it sounds like as an Arsenal fan, Wade Salibi is the one to watch this year more than yeah. uh, more than Jesus for you. You think he's the critical player in the team? For me personally, yeah, I think defensively, I haven't felt so secure in a long, long, long time. I mean, Koscielny had a couple of good years for us, but even then, there was moments where it was like you know he could just lose it. 
This kid is calm, he's collected, and he actually saved Gabriel and Ben White on a couple of occasions against Crystal Palace just because he reads the game so well. So he sniffs out danger and the timing of his tackles, like he's just, he had a flawless performance. So it was a very impressive man. And it's, it's not a one-off because he's, he did it the whole of last year in France. He was in the uh, French French League Team of the Year, Young Player of the Year, et cetera, et cetera. Made his French debut. So he's on the radar. And, and like Rod said, you know, for someone so young as a defender to be that good, it's like the sky's the limit for this kid. So I would say if there's anyone to keep an eye on this year, it's definitely going to be William Saliba, 100%. Nice. And Rods, uh, just changing gears, you know, I look at some of the things to come out. Now, I watched the game. Jesus was very lively in that first, probably first half an hour. Um, he's like a little, I don't know, a, a jack-in-the-box there. He's very lively. He's very busy. Oh, Seems to be doing a lot of things. Um, or is he, is my question. Um, and I guess I want to pose the question to you, you know, one shot off target. I know it's early days. He he, he did connect a lot in the, in the play. But I look at um I look across the ditch, the the player that's come in at, at Manchester City, Haaland, you know, straight upgrade. Two goals off the bat, deadly finisher. I mean, we spoke about it last week, you know, jokes aside about the the community shield, but we said this guy is going to be a goal scorer. And you can yeah. see it straight off the bat. I guess when you look at what he's done, Jesus debut, obviously different, you know, two different uh, teams challenging for different things. What what do you make yeah. of those two signings? I think I said it last year. I think Jesus is a good signing, but I don't think he's a winning the league signing. And I think Haaland is in that next bracket above. Um, so I think I put numbers to it last week to say Jesus will get you around 18, which is a good return. You know, Haaland, you're looking at Salah numbers. You're looking in the mid to high 20s. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think that's unreasonable. Because so. you're looking at... It's scary the way this old plays, bro. He's looking like he's already one of the best players on the planet. Mm. We said a few weeks ago, um, you know, he's gonna him and Mbappe are the ones that are really the comparisons for who's gonna who's gonna be dom- the dominant person winning the Ballon d'Or. So, you know, he, he had a lot of criticism last week after the Community Shield, but he could have scored a hat trick in that Community Shield. That was him having a poor day. So, you know. Um, he came off and he was talking about it. I heard his interview. He said a couple of fancy words there, some French words. Um, but but even in that interview, there was a sense of frustration in himself because he said, I should have had another goal. Because he, he, he was thinking back, hey, the Gundogan played a ball through. I should have. Uh, that was shit. But anyway, you know what I mean? So um, it's scary, bro. It's, it's, it's the standards. And, he's, and he's, got a, he's got an ego on him, you can tell. So that's one of those where... He, he's good, but he knows he's good, and he's not scared to say it. So um, we want to call the Premier League the best league in the world. You want to have the best players in the world, and I think he's one of them. So um, the scary thing is that he's coming to a team that is already in front of us. You know, it's uh, it's, it's it's how do we claw them back? Um, you know, I think uh, a lot of a lot of us will be now, you know, hoping for some sort of City collapse to give anybody else a chance because whoever, whoever finishes above City wins the league. You know what, and I just want to add, just before you you, you jump in there, uh, Connell, I didn't realize until he took that penalty that he was actually left-footed. I didn't mm. know that. Seriously, like, uh, because... Actually, I didn't know that either, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, on a, I t- he took the penalty, and I was watching him, I'm like, oh, this, this I was left-footed. I honestly did not know that, because I've seen him score crackers on both feet. He's so natural, like, he's, he's, 
His goal scoring ability is incredible for someone he, so young. He looks young like a machine. He looks like he, is, he, looks he like really does. He's yeah. come from a Terminator movie or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, and even the way he talks, anyway, it's that uh, serious dial as well. Yeah, yeah so serious. Well, you know, I'm here for business. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, well, he, well, he really does. He looks like he's out of a production line that's been carved to score goals. That's, mm. that's the the image I have of him in my head. Um, so look, really impressive from Holland. You know, we we knew this was going to happen. City are going to create chances. What was interesting is that second goal, a straight through ball from City. They did not play games, and this is one of the criticisms that Pep had last week in the in the Community Shield when he was making that run. They tended to go sideways and do their normal approach play when the opportunity was there to play through Liverpool. At the same time, in this game, but, they did it. I'll tell you one thing with that West though is, is when City do take the lead you'll have more opportunities going straight because that's when teams need to get back into the game. So yeah. you'll have more chances getting behind. When when teams are sitting deeper and sitting and holding back, they'll have, they'll have to play differently. And they'll have to play City ball where he's going to score goals that I suspect to be like those cutbacks through from, from when they, they've got to move it from side to side, Foden, Grealish, getting involved. So it won't always be playing through the middle. But it just means they've now got that added threat that they didn't have last year of straight through to a man who's going to finish 9 out of 10. Yeah, and that's the interesting thing too, because um, it's going to be those deep lying teams where I'd be interested to see, I guess, what how he fits in. Games that are slightly more open, they do have this opportunity to obviously, because I think the penalty in this game was the first goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, you know, the penalty, and it, look, it was a penalty, so there's no argument about that, but. The penalty doesn't happen, and the, the frustration starts to build. It would be interesting to see how that unfolds, um, because obviously penalties change a game, as we know. And in this instance, it it did, it did um, cause obviously the, the longer the game went on, West Ham had to start coming out a little bit more. So interesting times. I guess if we shift gears again, another player not really making his debut, um, but Mitrovic back in the Premier League. You know, he scores a double, uh, the second one a penalty, but he. He he was um, he was in everything. All to be fair, Fulham should have won that game. You know, I'll be the first to say it. They they were the better team. Liverpool were extremely poor, and Klopp called it out after the game. But great to see. I think one of the the challenges with Mitrovic is he's been able to set the championship on fire, but he comes into the Premier League and he's like you know sort of just another player. Is he is he likely to get you know north of fifteen goals this year, guys, or is this just a uh, just a solid start where we see it kind of die off. I, I think he's likely to get something close to that. I think um, Scott Parker was his manager the last time he was in the league and he had a couple of p- poor performances and he didn't back him. I think uh, Marco Silva loves him. Um, so he's going to be, he's the threat through throughout the season. So if Fulham are going to score goals, it's going to come from Mitrovic nine times out of 10. And that all, like, he's not the quickest player. So, one of the things that he gets criticism for is like when you are playing against a higher caliber of defenders, um, you know, that pace and the sharpness in the box adds adds a lot and he's not as quick as, as some of the other strikers. But up against Van Dyke, he's the first player to 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 dribble past uh Van Dyke and score and get a penalty against Van Dyke mm. ever in the league. You know, so so much for that sharpness thing. So um and he's deadly in the air. That was, you know, uh, 
I got no criticism for Alexander Arnold in terms of you running towards the box. How? What is how, Arnold as a right back supposed to do with someone yeah. that's nearly twice as yeah, tall I, as I, him? I, I, yeah. yeah, I felt so. I don't know. Some people still want to say he should. Oh, they just look for everything oh. where he makes a mistake. That, where they that think was, and, and like you know, there, there was no foul in there at all. I don't Nothing. like you know. So, but just that pure that, brute that was, force. That was, yeah. that was, that was, was a brilliant. fantastic goal. When I saw that ball floated to the back post and Mitrovic, I'm like, where are you? Unless Allison pulls off a remarkable save. Mate, yeah. I, I know that as a right back, when you are in a, almost a standing position to that kind of cross coming in, you literally have no hope to the player coming in. Least of all, if it is if it is someone like uh, Mitrovic coming on your, you know, attacking you from the back. So, so since, mm. since last season, he scored 46 goals. That was his 46th goal in 50 games. Wow. It's unbelievable. That's nuts. That's nuts. You he scored always, 45 like, you in the wonder, championship. Yeah, and you always wonder, is it going to you know, convert to the Premier League? I think it's still a bit early to say, but one thing I will add is that um, the way Fulham played, so impressive. I love it when a championship team comes up and they play football. You know, they went toe-to-toe at Liverpool. Like, similar to Brentford last year, Brentford at home were a tough prospect for anyone. Um, I remember when Liverpool went there, I watched that game as well, and they went toe-to-toe with Liverpool. I, I think they, I don't know if they beat Chelsea, but I remember them playing very well against Chelsea. No, they lost the 1-0, no, but they completely outplayed Chelsea. Exactly. And yeah. I think it was a goalkeeper mistake as well from memory, but Fulham play that sort of way. And I remember Marco Silva, when he came to Everton, he came with big raps. Everyone was talking very highly of him. And I remember looking into him at the time because we were linked with him. It was around the time Wenger was going to leave and... He was one of the names that we were touted with and didn't quite work out with him at Everton, but, but the way Everton Fulham played, played for him. Everton yeah. broke him out of contract. They paid a big yeah, transfer fee exactly. for him. So. He, he came there with a big reputation and, um, you know, he tried, by all accounts as well, tried to implement himself in the club, change things around the club. Um, you know, that real, real focus on a different mentality and a, a positive way of playing. And you can see that, you know, his team is a reflection of him. So, I think he's got a bright future as a manager. And I just love seeing a championship team coming up and playing football. There's nothing well, nothing better than that. The thing is with with, uh, with Marco is that he's he, even when he was at Watford, they played some really refreshing football at the same time. The, the yeah. problem comes in with these championship teams is that as the season progresses, progresses, maintaining that level becomes more difficult. Or you are able to maybe do it for one season, and then the following season, it kind of drops off. That's going to be his biggest challenge, I think, during this campaign. In terms of that one-off game, uh, as a Liverpool supporter, watching that game was extremely frustrating because I think categorically that was our worst performance I have personally seen under Klopp. There was a lack of enthusiasm. There was a lack of energy. And there was almost this sense of, oh, we'll, it, it'll come. Don't worry. Fulham are going to drop off eventually and we'll take control of the game. The amount of sideways passing we had in that game, I've never seen Virgil van Dijk play that many long diagonal balls and actually not hit his target once. When that happens, when your best player or your, 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 your key driver from the back is off, let me tell you, you're in for a rough day. And I felt it that day because we were poor and we were very lucky in the end with, um, I guess the next substitution that came on, uh, Rudds, you know, Darwin Nunes, an assist and a goal. Um, a little bit uh, funny in both instances because I don't think he knew much about both of them. Uh, but he got a bit of luck getting in the right positions, being in funny, the right... Bro, like, what a difference 
what it I was just and this is no thing to Bobby because Bobby's a unique skill set that he has. Yeah. But the the type of player that Darwin is is literally the polar opposite to him. Yeah, I actually had to watch it back, bro, because I thought he he meant that. I thought it was a back flick. I didn't I didn't actually. It deflected off the defender on right down. When you slow it down, came off him. Yeah. But like in in real time, I'm like, wow, what a finish! Like you know, like he did it. The, a, he did the, it like a minute or two before, exactly the same yeah, motion. Yeah, I'm like, and it's the, the and it's, yeah, yeah. To, to do it again and come back and then score for yeah. that. Oh, wow, fantastic! But you know, I think as little as he knows about both, that's that's what he needs. He needs that yeah. just a little bit of luck to 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 play off so that he can sit. So he can set himself, give himself confidence, because it could go the other way around where, you know, as, as you hit in the post, it's just not getting in. And then the longer it takes for you to score, the more that pressure builds up and builds up and builds up. Now, he's not playing with that much pressure because he's coming in his delivery. You know, it doesn't matter if it's coming off my knee or my toe or, or whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm making an impact. So I think yeah. I think it's, it's, it's good news for Liverpool. Um, you know, you can afford to to drop points if you Liverpool in the first game because you know you're gonna get your consistency and you're gonna you, you can pull that momentum. So I don't think it's as, it's, it's as much as a big deal that they drop the, this as the first game. It might become a big deal if they drop points again this week or next week. Then we say, oh wow, that's a that's a poor start. Um, but they can uh, they can course correct pretty quickly. Um, so mm. I don't think there's any sort of um, concerns at this stage. The one thing you do say is it has been so tight between these teams in the past that you know every single point counts. So, every point. Uh, but I saw a statistic. The there was yeah. a statistic yeah. that said to win the league you need at least ninety-five points generally and maybe more. So out of that, you really have nineteen points that you can drop. Liverpool have already dropped ten percent of those yeah. points. That is how fine the margins are in winning the league. Those two points is 10% of the total amount that they can lose. So I guess you, I don't know if you heard Klopp's interview after the game, but he was, he was extremely irate at the performance, very critical of the performance, the players and everything. And I think one of the key things to your point, he was critical of the pitch too. He was not critical of the pitch. (laughs) I I like Fulham coming back. You check check Fulham coming back to the Bible. I did, yeah. Uh, I see another uh, sports Bible headline sent to me. I'm going to kill myself. Um, but yeah, in all seriousness, I think, yeah, there has to be a bounce back. You cannot afford to drop points, unfortunately. But having said that, you'd rather that happen in game one, correct? Right, so we'll see how this space unfolds. But certainly exciting times ahead in the league. I guess um, that does bring us an end to our first segment, Rads. And I know... Uh, I know we want to delve into this, but it was obviously the debut of Eric Ten Hag at Manchester United. Um, you know, we asked you last week about excitement. You had a bit of trepidation, probably more going into the season of not what to expect. I guess a couple of questions. Um, the results aside, were you expecting that lineup? Were you expecting Ericsson to also start in the midfield? Um, yeah. And I guess the other thing was in terms of the front three, um, did you expect it to be, you know, that central player um, that was leading the line in Rashford? Yeah, well, Rashford didn't lead, lead the line. So it was a false line, firstly. Um, so basically, with Martial being injured, and I said, we, we, we've got no one. I think those, those are my words you always lost. We, we've got nobody else. We've got no striker. Um, so Ronaldo is the only one. And that, that was only played 45 minutes in preseason and still is 
outs and all, we can't. I think Eric Ten Hag did the right thing by benching him. Like you know, regardless of what the impact is in terms of the results, he's got to make the call as a manager. If he's putting Ronaldo in from the start, what sort of message is he sending? So, um, the first ten minutes of the game, you look at how it works with the false nine, and you had all these midfield runners. First ten minutes, it looked good, you know, and, and Bruno should have scored a goal. But from that ten minute mark. You know, Brighton really took a took a hold of that game, and and they pressed the life out of United, um, and then and they targeted Fred specifically. So they knew Fred is not a number six; he's, he's not a holding midfielder. So they say, okay, if United are going to play this this football, that's the weak link. So whenever they try to play through the lines and and and, and transition from the defense to it, as soon as Fred got the ball, they were putting putting him putting pressure on, on him, and the ball either went back for more pressure or he's turning it over um, and he had no support then so really you're looking at that game and you think you know Martinez did okay um, he probably was a penalty I think he um, I think I thought that was a stone stonewall penalty that he that he thinks that was a mistake and he made a mistake at off the line but outside of that I thought he had a, a good performance on a day de- on debut I thought Erickson was really good particularly in the second half when he started playing as a holding midfielder the problem with him as a holy midfielder is he's good in terms of he can play out of pressure. He can move the ball quickly. All the things that Fred can't do. But he, he can't cut passing lanes. It's very easy to play around him when he's sitting in that, in that role because he's not a defensive midfielder. That's not, what, that's not his strength. So, you know, the new signings look okay, but it just shows United still haven't addressed their main issue, which has been in the middle. doesn't matter who you got up front and who you got in the back line. If you don't have a middle who can compete in the league, you know, you're going to struggle. So I think the one thing for me is um, you would have hoped you got that type of performance in game in preseason because then as a manager, you know what you need to fix. So you get, you get this performance in preseason where you're playing, you know, um, these teams that um, are not playing that high team. Football, I think when we played Liverpool, it was way too early for them to do that. But what it means is that you, you get like a false sense of security to say, you know, hang on, Fred can do a job. McTominay can do a job. People are making out for it to be in the middle. But the, the truth of the matter is McTominay, you know, you know so I know they talk to Fred and that's, and that's fine. I thought that was brilliant by Graham Potter to do that because he's playing on a weakness. But I thought Scott McTominay's performance was was as worse as, as I've seen from a midfield player ever. So one thing United improved on bef- from from the games before was Brighton dominated possession in both games against us before. So United did have more of the ball. Um, but Scott McTominay, he, he, he made fewer passes than David De Gea and he's playing in the middle. Fewer passes, the passes he did make, his success rate was 68%. You know, this is this is a player. You know, there's there's nothing that 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 says how poor he is. Then there's a phase of play where he's carrying the ball, he's running it, he's, 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 the game's open up to him. He's heading towards the box, right? Now he's got options on either side. There's players, United players all around, or he can keep going direct. It takes a couple more touches either way. He slows the game down. Ball goes too far ahead of him. He ends up fouling a play and getting away with the, with the yellow card. Like and this was he ball that he had like you know it was just showed you know the level the level is just not there so I think it's it was the performance that Eric Ten Hag needed to identify 
what the what the state of play is. You know, there's no papering over cracks. No thinking these players are better than what they are. It, it is what it is. United were much better in the second half. I think Rashford should have scored two goals. There's one where Ronaldo put it on the plate for him. Um, there's another cross where he was unmarked and, he, and he's hit it over. Um, so they, they could have taken something from the result. But I think in the last 10, 15 minutes of that game, again, Potter changed things. He puts Eric Lamptey on and then he just managed the game out. So I, I thought that was a, it was a really, really good performance by Brighton and Graham Potter in, in, tact, in the tactical way. Um, but yeah, United got a lot of problems, a lot of the same problems. So, you know, as, as, as much as you can press and play the ball, and, you know, if you don't have the players that can carry that ball, if he doesn't have his Frankie de Jong, which, which doesn't ever look like it's going to happen in the first place, you know, he needs to, he needs to now start looking at other options. And now I'm, I'm looking at um, the players being linked they you know they reek of desperation at the moment, which is not where you, that, you know that's a that's a really bad place to be. So you're going to bring in these characters who are going to be so bad for the club, so bad because 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 of the desperation and, and you're not doing your due diligence. So the players that are being linked as of today is is Rabiot from Juventus. Now he's been a disaster wherever he's gone because not just in terms of how he plays. So he's had a quiet couple of seasons. He could be a good player, but. You know, there's off-field stuff. His mother gets involved. He's bickering with players. You know, he's more toxic than Pogba would ever be. And Pogba got a lot of hate. Pogba was not that type of toxic. Pogba was actually a leader in the dressing room. You know, you, you if you're taking Pogba out and bringing Rabiot, you're going in the opposite direction, 100%. And then Arnautovic. So I said last week on the pod that United are desperate. Actually, they, I do they want do to talk about uh, how on earth do you... Linked with Anatovich of all people, that guy is the biggest troublemaker <laughs> of all. Yeah, and that's what I I'm saying. The character is actually had a joke, so I'm upset it came up now. Oh, yeah, man. So, yeah. So, but I said last week that United got no one, so we are we, they do need to get that sort of backup strike. And I said the name I said mentioned last week to say like the Danny Ings type of player. I like I wasn't linking Danny Ings. I'm saying they're going to need that sort of person who can come and sit on the, sit on the bench and play second fiddle. But Arnautovic is another troublemaker. He's a, he's a, you know, he, he's a racist. You know, he's, there's, there's, there's this incidents of him being racist. Now, how can you as a club be taking a knee, fighting racism, and you're bringing a racist into the club? Come on. Come on. You know, so, you know, Ten Hag got a big job. A big, big job. I just want to go to Wade here, and I want to ask you a question, and you can make your Arnautovic joke. But I want to ask you this. When you look, you know, some United fans got very carried away with preseason, especially after that 4 0 win against Liverpool. Um, present company excluded, but a lot of fans got excited to Rudd's point, a false sense of security. Maybe these players can do a job. Eric Tainag is the savior. When you look across that United squad, when you look at these players like McTominay, like Fred, like Rashford, like Maguire, um, you know, the Lindelofs of this world, are these players completely broken? And do United actually need to get them out the door? Because we, we feel like we're going in the cycle again. You know, Rudd has spoken about the desperation. They're now looking at random players after chasing Frankie de Jong. Was, looks like never was an option from the start. I just want to know what your view is of their squad. And exactly, you know, is, is it time to maybe uh, cut a lot of these players outside completely? You know, I, I I came to the pot. I didn't want to troll or you know or laugh at United, but Rod's analysis just had me in stitches there because it it really is that bad at the moment. Like there's no getting away from it. But um, you know, on a serious note, 
Brighton had a midfielder on the bench last night that would start in United's midfield in Mwepo. You know, he would walk into United's midfield right now. And that, that paints a picture of where they're at at the moment. Um, I thought the outstanding play on the field was um, the other kid in midfield, Cassiedo or whatever his name is. I know um, I had a bit of a, a read into him and I know United were linked with him as well. And apparently he decided to go to Brighton, um, which would have been a big blow. But he was magnificent last night. Like he really bossed the midfield. He was winning battles. Um, he was aggressive. He was driving forward. Um, he, I mean, when you're looking at Brighton players like that and you're saying, wow, this this is the best play on the field, and you're up against Man United at Old Trafford, I mean, it speaks to the problems, right? And then also, you got the Spanish number one goalkeeper playing for Brighton and David De Gea. I know Rudz is talking about Fred being a weak link, and I totally agree there. But if you're going to try and play the way Ten Hag wants to play, that JDP, you need a goalkeeper that's calm, that can play a pass from the back. It starts there. And I think that Gea is a massive weak link in this team. You know, so... Yeah. You're not I must shopper, say, De Gea is terrible with the ball at his feet. His indecisiveness... You yeah. can't really... It's, it's not funny. A, it's not his game. Play this, it is in this not modern his way, game. It's... Yeah. 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 So, so De, Gea, De Gea came out and said, look, I've played this way before. I've played in a Spanish team like this. I can do it, whatever. But when you're watching the game, and, and I agree with you. I've got no issue with it. But there are bigger problems in De Gea that they need sort, sorting out first. So I agree with that. I think De Gea is the number one for the season. I think, you yeah. know, even, even Maguire and his positioning and what he does, um, you know, what he did yesterday, you know, that's a bigger problem than the There's more pressing the issues. Yeah, no, pressing, but, pressing that, but I agree with you. You need a player yeah. because what of your right? Yeah, what I will say is this though, right? You had Rangnick that came in last season mm. who apparently was there to, you know, he, he briefed um, Ten Hag when he came in and stuff like that. I think the gripe with a lot of United fans is why are you going into the season again with McTominay and Fred? I mean, how much yeah. more? Do you so, need so, to see to make the call and say, listen, these guys are not good enough? Surely yeah. the scouting reports, just what's in Hag's scene, it's like, it's criminal to be in this position now, bro. It, and it's, it's like, so you've bad seen this so much. The, the, the whole thing about Ragnik and, and what he was actually good at is identifying talent, building teams, identifying what needs, you know, what type of players you need. Um, you know, all the stuff he did at Red Bull, right? You know, so you, you got him into you know, to do the coaching side, but also for what he can add outside of that. Mm. But then you sever ties with him when you need him the most. You know, this is where you needed him to say, okay, the profile of player, these, 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 this is what, what, what you should be looking at. This is how you build a team, understanding what you need to play. Instead, you end up coming into the season with um, De Jong and, and, sorry, with um, McTominay, I wish it was De Jong, uh, McTominay and Fred. And I understand him going all out for De Jong, but, you know, it's so frustrating when, there are other midfielders that can play that play that like they they can pl- do that role for a high quality team. You know, one of the ones that I was hoping that United would go for was Fabian Ruiz at Napoli. So he sits as a holding midfielder. He's a quality quality player. Never gives it away. Moves the ball quickly. You know, collects the ball on a half turn. So you're not facing one way and getting it back. Exactly the type of player United needed. You know, and he would have come in for about 35 million. You know, United have chased De Jong all the way. They said they're keeping these other targets warm just in case it doesn't happen. But in the meantime, Fabian Ruiz now is going to PSG. 
You know, so so you you're missing out on these players because you're chasing, chasing, chasing. At some point, you know, you, you've got to bring in more right, bodies because this is why you, you're going to be you, left at the altar. You can't compare the De Jong to Virgil Van Dijk because Virgil Van Dijk made it very clear he wants to play for Liverpool. De Jong, in no instances, said he wants to play for United. In fact, all we've heard is flirting with every other club except. So I can understand when a club chases a player and persists with that player, like Liverpool did with Van Dijk. This De Jong one stunk from the start, yeah. and yet United United persisted with him. And no. now you're coming three weeks no. out from the end of the transfer window going, but why haven't we signed anybody? Yeah. The, the writing was on the wall months ago, bro. It's, a, it's a bit different. So, so the, the insights with De Jong is that he's he wants to stay at Barcelona. But if he has to but leave... Uh, okay, hang on, hang on. United. No, no, no. So, so if, if you say... If you if a player wants to stay where he is, then take your attention away from the player and focus on someone else. Yeah, you cannot be chasing a player yeah. that doesn't yeah. want to leave the club. Is that in the first place? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You, look to be honest, that's a bad you, strategy. If, if next week, if next week or the week after United end up getting De Jong and he's walking in the door, I'm saying they did the right thing by sticking. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be one of these hindsight calls. If if they if he comes to the Come through the door because he will transform the midfield because he's exactly what United need. So if he comes through the door, we'll be saying in the next ten weeks or when he starts when you start seeing something at United, we'll be saying, "Wow, you know, they did but the bro, right thing that, by waiting for him." That is a but, in the, in, uh, but the other side of that coin is if they come if no one comes into that holding midfield role and say, "Wow, United did the wrong thing waiting for him." So it's going to be a hindsight thing to say you never know what's going to be. Obviously, there's no, but the, this um, started, this close this started between, with right? the negative already. That's my issue. So, it's not uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Wade. But if a player wants to stay at the club that he's yeah. at, and your club is then trying to sign this player for the entire period, knowing that the key position you're trying to change that's been an issue for you for years is literally the midfield, are you not yeah. going to sit back afterwards and go, Are oh, these guys a but bunch it's, of it's like, idiots? Like, it's a difference. But it's a different scenario where, where a player wants to stay and his club wants to keep him. It's a player wants to stay, but the club is saying, no, this player's in the market. And you're like, well, yeah. you know, do, do we let this player slip out of our, our grasp because he wants to stay? Because someone else is going to get him. You know, the thing is, no, no, at no. Yeah, but, but De Jong hasn't yeah, even I said think, anything um, along the like lines of saying player, he wants to even come to United. It's one because thing chasing he, the player, though, but, like, what's the yeah. backup, though? What's the plan B? Yeah. That's the problem. That's, you know what I mean? Because problem. You know that's what this problem. reminds me of? When David Moyes took over, I think you were chasing Cruz or Fabregas, Fabregas sorry. Is, the whole yeah. summer, it was Fabregas, yeah. Fabregas, Fabregas. He never came, and you ended up with Fellaini. With Fellaini. And yeah. it's just, like, it feels like history repeating but, itself. But the problem is, what's the plan B? You probably need two midfielders anyway. You yeah. probably, why haven't well, you, you, why haven't you thrown money at Tillemans, for example, well, last year of his contract? I say Tillemans is a better. Waters, you know? Yeah, so, so I think Tillemans is, is one that um, is a deal that can be done. I think Arsenal is, is closer to Arsenal than United. So I think that's yeah. probably where maybe Arsenal finishes business. And I think United are just monitoring monitoring that situation. But Arsenal but leading the race. that's a massive They're always monitoring. But you're, you're yeah, monitoring. Absolutely. Big but I was going to say, what I was going to say, just in terms of... of, of He's a big upgrade on the two. United is so... Yeah, but but United in that position specifically, they should be bringing in two players anyway. Anyway, so even yeah, if you bring exactly in your backup first, yeah, exactly. even if you bring in your backup, yeah. and then you say, doesn't matter if you waited all the way through because yeah. you needed more bodies in that position in the first place. So exactly. so I think that's yeah. that's where the, the, their whole aim is that 
the money that you know you'd expect to be there isn't there. So they need to understand how much is this young deal going to cost us? How much do we have left? How many bodies can we move on before? So there, there's a bit of you know um, money management in there as well that 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 that's sort of holding them back. But damn, you got to back the manager, bro. You got a brand new manager. And you've got massive problems in the squad. You've got he's basically got the same team that he had last year, and that team, then the, and that yeah, team got into the core. It's some of the best now. players that left yeah. from that team, you know. And you and and the most high profile player is wanting out. And every time this man fronts up to talk to the media before the game, after the game, pre match conference, everything is what's happening with Ronaldo. Why is Ronaldo starting? You know, is he fit enough? Is he going to play? Is he going to be on the bench? Why is he? Why is he, is he happy? You know, how did he train? Everything is Ronaldo centric, you know. So the the club are not supporting him at the moment. I hope it changes over the next few weeks because this has got a very very difficult. And, and really you know what? Good. I was I was looking at Ten Hag's face after that game, and I, you could almost see on his face he was like, "Shit, he's, he's in gonna for age something." Quickly. Yeah, 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 he's, he's gonna he's age in very for quickly, bro. He just he 100%. had that. He, he almost looked like whatever I walked into. You know what yeah. I mean? So, but, but the one thing job. I say about him is that you know. He wants to just get his work done on the field. So, yeah. you know, yeah. he, he'll be back on the field, be working. So I think that's what you you want. And he's going he's gonna to keep drilling, drilling, drilling in terms of what he expects and what he sees. Um, but there are some players that just are not up to it and just can't do it. So you'll, you'll get – there'll be up and down performances. You'll be some, some gaps until he got his team. Um, but you still want to start seeing that, that performance. And I think um, it was a mistake for – for him not to have a striker um, yesterday, but really, I don't I think that's actually that his lineup. mistake. I really was but, shocked. But it's, when I but it's not lineup, his mistake man. because the yeah, club gave. There, yeah. There's no one. There's no one. Who does he play as striker? You know, yeah. like if he puts Ronaldo in, it undermines him. So it's it really, it really is shocking at the moment. Well, the clear thing is it's a challenging time at United. It seems to be a, a revolving door with decisions at that club, and it'll definitely be another interesting season for United supporters. Look, we were supposed to touch on Newcastle, uh, folks, but we're probably going to not have the time to do so, unfortunately, because it's a fan favourite. I'll of say course... something quickly on Newcastle. No, we don't have time. I'm sorry. I'll say something say quickly on Newcastle just before. It has to be 10 seconds Nothing. and I have to cut you no, off. Because... You took all the air so time. You took all the time talking about block. bloody man United. <laughs> but Newcastle is upset that there's a block by the top six for them to enter them. It's so much harder for them um, to enter into that top six because of how the, the money works, the um, you know the FFP, not just by UEFA, but the, the Premier League themselves. But one thing that is quite interesting is that um, the, 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 the head of the Premier League said this week, Man City are still under investigation. Three years later, they are still under investigation for breach of uh, financial fair play within the league. So I, I thought that was actually quite remarkable that, that that's still something that's ongoing. Well, you know what? I definitely want to delve into that next week because I have a theory on what, what that uh, entailed and why it's t- taking this long with Manchester City, no doubt. Great topic to bring up for next week. But we have to bring back the fans' favourite runs. They've been waiting for this. I've had a few people messaging me going, what is in the trivia today? So Powered without further ado, FM. our sponsors, of course, look into here, our trivia master back. It's a fresh start, gents. Fresh, fresh start. So hopefully now, um, you know, Wade, you can get 
take a good lead. Don't let Connor do what he did to you last year. You know what I mean? Um, you ran away with it at some point. So now let's make sure, you know, we get a nice tight race. Let's get it between. Let's get that ninety-five point mark. You know, you, you, you can't try to keep up this year, Wade. Uh, try keep um, up. Just try to keep up. Yeah, okay. okay. So, so we've got 10... a good preseason, so I'm ready. Yeah. You're ready. I know you re-energize and everything. Yeah? <laughs> Let's go. We've, we've got 10 questions. Uh, first one to give me all answers will, will be correct. The first one, I'm looking for four names. So the whoever gives me the most names wins that question. Um, so since the start of 2022... Only four players have been involved in 15 or more goals. Salah. Who are they? Salah. Kane. Son. It is not Salah. Son and Kane, one each. Mitrovic, uh, in the Premier League. Mitrovic? In the Premier League. Okay. Um, Mitrovic has played one game in the Premier League. Sorry, I thought you said since 22. When, and I... when, sorry? The start of 2022. The start of 2022. Yeah. Saka, back here, Saka. So, I've... nah. Kulusevski? Not Bowen. Kulusevski. And there's and one, one more name I'm looking for. So, you can either tie the question or Connell can take it. Sterling, Jesus. Uh, close. It is a Man City player. I'll give you that much. Oh, yeah, we go. It is De Bruyne. So that one <laughs> yes. is a draw. But look, it is, it is, it is fascinating. That three, three of the four names are Spurs players. Are Tottenham Spurs players? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they've they've been pretty prolific in this this year. So so Haaland is the second City player to score a brace on debut. Who was the first? Aguero. Aguero. It is Aguero. Nice and easy. Why he got that one? Oh, what? Who scored the twentieth? Are we back here again with this? I said no, that I about five that... minutes before, Wade. What do you mean? Yeah, 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 I yeah, didn't yeah, even yeah, hear you saying it at all. No, no. Are you joking? You you must be moving with a lag. I must and be I, moving with a and heavy I, lag. And I can't be blamed for your lag, Connor. <laughs> yes, yeah, so in my like, where I am, I, I said Aguero, then about 10 seconds later, Wade goes Aguero, and then Rod goes, hey, well done, Wade, well done, well done. <laughs> this yeah. lag is now heavy. You, I think you need to listen back to the pod. You need to listen back to the pod. I'm turning my video off. All right. Who scored their 20th Premier League goal on the weekend? And 90% of these goals have been penalties. Vardy. Vardy didn't James Ward-Prowse. Nope. No, Ward-Prowse didn't score a penalty. Um, Who scored their uh, what? 20th Premier League goal. Saka. 20th. Bukaya Saka. No. 20th goal on the weekend. 90% of all their goals they've scored. So, so 18 out of the Eugenio. 20. It's Jorginho. Oh, Jorginho. It Jorginho. Jorginho. And, and led the conversation to say, Jorginho is scoring a penalty, Jorginho penalty. <laughs> <in the> one, <laughs> one, <no. laughs> All right. Who assisted their ninth goal since debut? A stat that is only better in Kulusevsky. Wow. Wade is, Wade is coming out 
with some fire. I told you, right? know hey, listen, let me, let me well, tell you what's the point in answering if I got a half an hour leg? Boys, I'm ready. I'm ready for the season. I'm pumped. <laughs> <laughs> Who scored their sixth their six goal against the same opponent on the weekend? More than double their tally against anybody else. Trossard. No. Wow, Gross. Ward Prowse. Gross. It, is, it is Pascal yeah. Gross. Yeah. Thank you. It is Pascal Gross. I did read that stat. Who was the only player not to make a single pass half of the opening game? Scott McTominay. No. <laughs> He would have been on the lower end. <laughs> Not to make a single pass in the whole half. Is that what you said? Not one pass. Doesn't mean he never get a touch, but he never make a single pass. How is that even what? possible? Uh... I, I get, it's, a, it's a tough one. I'll give you a clue. The, the, clue, the clue you get here is that um, it was in the Man City West Ham game. Antonio. Antonio, wait, is <laughs> on fire. Yo, 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 yo. Come on, it's man. A dis- it's a destruction. Since, since the start of the year, four teams have won 40 points in 2022. Spurs. Liverpool, City. Newcastle and Spurs. Spurs. And the question was going to be, who was the fourth team? Newcastle. And Wade has given me Newcastle. <laughs> Get in, son. Get in. I'm moving like Gabby Zeus this year, guys. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, three more questions to go. Connell, you um, there? I'm just checking, bro. You you still with us? Or you dropped off the stream? I, I, you, you may have... Sorry, uh... have you guys started the trivia yet? I, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I was just checking. Maybe there's something going on with your connection there, bro. You know? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> just just on the first half touches maybe maybe there's a another one for you guys which liverpool player had the fewest touches in the first half against fulham henderson not henderson fabinho matip nope van dyke not van dyke trent Elliot. actually it's, you know what it is it's salah it is Salah. It yeah. is Salah. Connell is back in the game. Not oh, really. Connell has entered the game. <laughs> Connell has finally entered the game. I just you know what? I might have to put a goal difference here as well, you know, just to check, you know, who, who's <laughs> dominating who here. Yeah. We, we, I think we're a reflection of how our team started the season, huh? <laughs> hey, for <Bobar. laughs> Who was the only player to ever score on the opening day fixture of five consecutive seasons. Salah. It is he Salah. broke his own record and scored for the sixth time. Since the start of last season, City and Liverpool have both scored 15 goals from corners. Arsenal. Which team is just behind them on 14? The answer is Arsenal. And Wade <laughs> takes out the trivia for the very first week. Congrats, bro. <laughs> Starting off strong. Starting off very, very strong. I I told you all, just just like the Gunners, I'm surprising you all this year. (laughs) Pay attention. (laughs) I'm telling you all. (laughs) I just want to go on record and say, just like the Gunners, you will drop back down to earth, my man. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but enjoy your victory while it lasts. <laughs> now, we hope no, you enjoyed sure. that one, ladies and gentlemen. That was a cracking round and uh, a fully deserved winner in week one. Of course, we have 37 more weeks to go. So we will see how the uh, trivia unfolds. Well, boys, one week down. Uh, we've got to do a bit of a wrap-up, Wade, next week. Um, what's your thoughts on, on next week and uh, the focus for Arsenal, I suppose? Yeah, look, uh, I think Palace, looking at our first four or five fixtures, Palace was probably our trickiest one, uh, going to Salas Park. Um, <clears throat> we play Leicester at home next. You know, they in a bit of turmoil over there. No real signings coming in, so... I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling confident, confident with our first few games and hopefully we can carry the momentum from preseason and the first game into this. But um, nah, things are looking good. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited about this weekend and the next few games. So let's keep pushing. So Rad, August is very interesting for you. Uh, not 100% sure who you got next week, but I know you got the week away. after. We are away at Brentford. Your so way at Brentford, followed by uh, Liverpool the visit and of Old Trafford. And uh, if United are as open in the middle as they were against uh, Brighton, we're looking at, you know, another five-piece meal. You know what I mean? It's going to be one of those... Well, one of those <laughs> streetwise <laughs> five. Is there, numbers, is, there any, is there any mentally things, preparing, bro? Things are looking good, bro. Like, Sal and they'll be looking at, they'll be looking at this game and say, well... This is where I get ahead of Haaland. This is where I catch up on the man. This is the way. This is the way I set the set the tone. So, um, but look, um, you know, Eric Ten Hag is going to get them organized. Um, if Maguire defends like how he defended against um, Brighton, not going to be very long before he's out the team. Um, I don't think there's much. Deep, I don't even know why he's in the team. I think um, Varane is a is a better player. I, I don't even think there's even de- a debate in there. I think Varane needs to play with with, with Martinez, but. Uh, you know, I think the manager is also he's in there managing the team. He's a big money signing. He's a club captain. So there's other things at place. He's going to give him every chance to succeed. Um, but I think it won't be long before Varane's in there. So, look, I mean, I'm looking forward to watching the games again. I'm looking forward to supporting my team. It's going to be a tough season. But this is this is where, this is why we support us. Huh? We've got to support our team through thick and thin. I've had plenty of years where I've been <laughs> celebrating and thinking, hey, smiling, where's... where's Where's yeah. the next challenge going to come from? You know what I mean? Exactly. Maybe, maybe next year's our year. Let's say, let's check. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as long as it continues, I'm sure we'll see you one day on the doorstep of 30 years without a title at the rate you're going. So we'll see how that plays out. <laughs> um, I guess for Liverpool and next week, uh, we got Palace, um, Wade. But of course, that is at Anfield, which is good. It'll be the first home game of the season. United away after that. So, I mean, a, a tricky month. I just, at the end of the day, I still don't know what Ten Hag uh, will pitch up on the day. Um, so, we'll see when that unfolds in two weeks. Maybe United have turned the corner by then. We just don't know. But it certainly will be interesting times for everybody involved in the English Premier League. We do have to come to an end, ladies and gentlemen. It's been another fantastic show. We hope that you've enjoyed it. I'm your host, Conway T. Wade, of course, my co-host, and Rudds all the way from Melbourne. We will be back next week, same time, for all your listening pleasure for everything football. Don't forget to catch us on Instagram, on What the Football Pod, on Facebook, and, of course, Twitter, where you can share, like, and comment on our posts. Of course, if you can, go on to Apple Podcasts, scroll to the bottom of your episodes, and leave us a review. We value your reviews. 
and we'd love nothing more than to grow our listeners and of course your pleasure of listening to us and giving you another cracking episode of what the football until next week enjoy the football and we'll see you all then Ooh.